Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Georgia played a game on Saturday. I promise we will talk about it, but there is some stuff we got to do before we get to that. Ultimately, this is the reason why this show exists. We exist to provide commentary that other shows either are unable to do or unwilling to do. And there is an example of this where the most prominent voice in all of college football, the leading analyst, the face of the sport in many ways for a good number of years now has been Kirk Herbstreit. We're not anti-Herbstreit necessarily. We think he's done some good things over the years. But there is no more prominent voice, no more prominent uh, you know, analyst when it comes to the sport than Herbstreit. And over the course of the offseason, you'll remember this, Herbstreit was going everywhere he could, talking up Alabama. And really as he was doing that kind of talking down Georgia expressing this doubt and skepticism about UGA pumping up Alabama and on Saturday night that got proven hilariously wrong in a game that Herb Street was calling for ESPN but at no point in time on Saturday night at any point in that broadcast did Herb Street you know come across and say well you know what I guess I was wrong about Alabama this whole offseason all that stuff I was saying in the uh, handful of interviews that I did I guess I've got egg on my face see these national media types never do that you know on a show like this hopefully when we get something wrong you know we come up we own our own it we'll take our medicine over that you get a chance to laugh at me we don't take ourselves too seriously but there's a certain level of fame that once you uh, you know once you uh, obtain it it's sort of like that old line about uh what is it uh you know being loved means never having to say you're sorry like when you get to a certain level of fame that means you never have to say you're sorry for anything you never have to say oh i guess you got me on this one because college football is whatever you say it is and if you change your opinion or if you forget your old opinion uh, you know, there's no one big enough to kind of call you out. So we exist to call out. We exist to save receipts. We exist so that the average fan can, you know, have a moment to say to the, you know, the the big analyst who wants to, you know, uh, look down on people sometimes. And Herb Street's a little bit guilty of doing that from high atop his ivory tower. We exist to sort of keep folks like that a little bit humble. So in light of what was a thrillingly entertaining game on Saturday night with uh, Alabama losing to Texas. In light of all of that, let's do right now what none of these ESPN shows are going to do. They don't have the guts to do this. They don't have the willingness to do that. They are not going to call out their number one guy, Kirk Herbstreit, for how wrong he was about Alabama and by proxy how wrong he was about Georgia during the offseason. So we will do this. We knew within a couple of weeks of the start of the season we'd get a chance to laugh at Herbstreit for what he said and that moment has arrived. So here is Kirk Herbstreit being incredibly wrong about Alabama, being incredibly wrong about Georgia, and this is his reminder of what he said. Take a listen to this from back during the summer. Whenever what you just described, whenever that happens in Tuscaloosa, if you're going to Vegas, sand, that would be a team I would not want to question. Mm -hmm. Whenever they have a few losses or whenever they don't quite chase their goals the previous year, and whenever, oh, they got a new this and a new that and a new quarter, it's like, oh, boy, Nick Saban's in trouble. I'm telling you, I don't. He's, he's got the same energy he's had since 2009 when he won his first title against Texas. He's got great players like he had in 2009, maybe better. He's got a team that's going to be upset with a chip on their shoulder. As we sit here, what, what are we, May 31? It's hard for me not to lean towards Alabama in the SEC, just because of what you described. Now you got LSU, who 
who made incredible strides in that first year with Brian Kelly. Got a lot coming back from that team. They beat Bama last year. They got to go to Tuscaloosa. So I would, I would, those three are going to be everybody's three. As we sit here right now, I'm going to wait to see where we are in August, but I would be in that Bama LSU just a little bit ahead of Georgia um, as we get ready for, you know, getting into the summer months. So Bama and LSU a little bit ahead of Georgia as we head towards the rest of the summer. Bama's already lost. LSU's already lost. Georgia's still the number one team in the country. I'm telling you right now, Kirk Herbstreit ought to apologize to Georgia fans for saying that. He won't, but he should. Because that's the kind of thing that not only has that already been proven wrong through two weeks of the season, he should have known that was wrong when he said it. But here's the thing about Herbstreit. You know, he's still doing game day. He's doing these games on Saturday night. He's doing the NFL on, uh, what do you call it, Amazon Prime now. This is a guy who simply stretched too thin. Like, like Herbstreit is not providing the level of college football analysis, an analysis that he once provided because he's just stretched too thin. He's just not following the sport that close. So he's re-racking the same opinions from like 10 years ago because he doesn't have any, you know, brainwaves for new opinions because he's just stretched too thin. He's got too many jobs. And I think the analysis that he's providing to college football fans, it suffers. And in this particular case, it's really it's really uh, at, at the expense of Georgia. Because remember, in the same breath that Herbstreit's talking up Alabama, he's also mocking Georgia from a year ago for saying they were disrespected. But when you hear Herbstreit right there saying two teams that have already taken losses in the first two weeks of the year, they are better to begin the year than Georgia. Y'all, that is the disrespect card that Georgia fans felt like they had a chance to play a year ago. They had a chance to play it again. And that's uh, Herb Street. And, and the other thing here is, you know, the idea of ah, Nick Saban. This is still as energetic a figure as it ever was. Nick Saban is still as, you know, as alert, as cogent, as energetic. He hasn't lost a step at all. Well, let's go back to Saturday night at the end of that game for Alabama, uh, losing to Texas and all the way that it played out. I want you to hear Nick Saban at the end of this game, at the conclusion of his post-game press conference. Kirk Herbstreit says before the year begins, oh my gosh, the level of energy that Nick Saban still has is just as spry as ever. Well, take a listen to this. Take a listen to this on Saturday. To me, this sounds like a concession speech. To me, this sounds like a guy who's getting ready to pass that baton. To me, this sounds like a guy who sort of knows that his moment in the sun has come to an end and he's maybe getting ready to take his final bow. Does this version of Nick Saban at the end of the game on Saturday, at the end of his post-game press conference on Saturday, does this sound like a guy who's still got the same level of energy he always has? Here it is post-game Saturday night. You judge for yourself. I do think that there was a great atmosphere out there. You know, our fans did a tremendous job. We appreciate the support. It was fantastic. And, you know, it's a it's a privilege to play in games like this. It's a privilege to play at the University of Alabama. Um, it's a privilege to play where you have such great tradition. Uh, and it's a privilege to play where you have such great fan support. So uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. I can promise you this. That is not what Alabama fans wanted from Nick Saban on Saturday night. They wanted him to slam his fist down the podium. They wanted him to scream and say, we're going to fix this, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to do this, and we're going to bounce back, and we're going to be better. Instead, Nick Saban was reflective. Nick Saban was, is it contemplative? Nick Saban was contemplative. He was grateful. Perhaps looking back on the career and the run that he's had there at Alabama. Perhaps Nick Saban knows what Alabama fans also deep down know. The things have changed. Alabama's now lost, what, three times in its last seven games against Power 5 teams? 
They've lost four times since Georgia uh, beat them in January of 2022, and Georgia's won the last two national championships. There is a lot of evolution happening here. And once your moment in the sun kind of goes away, you don't often get that back to the same level. It sounds like Nick Saban sort of understands that. Alabama fans, maybe deep down, they know that too. But if they don't, Texas fans sure enough do. Uh, a video that many, many of you shared with me coming from uh, Austin, Texas on Saturday night where Texas fans who were not at the game were, were back on campus celebrating. And we know what the meme has been for a long time. This has even traveled beyond college football where, you know, teams hold up that we want Bama sign. You know, that was always the, the calling card for when you thought your team had stepped up and you're ready for the next level. We want Bama was the signal of all of that. But guess what? An Alabama win doesn't mean what it once did. Beating Alabama isn't the isn't the resume builder that it once was. There is a new team that is the new standard in college football. And media types like Kirk Herbstreit may be slow to realize that because they're too busy doing other things. But the average rank and file college football fan, you better believe they know that full well. The video that so many of you shared for me with me uh, on Saturday night. This is how Texas fans back in Austin celebrated their win against Alabama by looking ahead to the one win that for them would really mean something right now, the one that they in their dreams would think could come against the University of Georgia. Let me show you this quick video. So that's kind of all you need to know right there. That's it right there. That's all you need to know. It used to be we want Bama. Now it's we want Georgia. Y'all, if you're watching on Saturday night, if you saw that win for Texas against Alabama, to me, that was the final chapter in what has been a great story. The Alabama era in college football, though, I believe is over. Uh, There is a new standard in college football. I believe it's the University of Georgia. Georgia's won the last two national championships. We believe it's also going to go for three and 23. And to Texas, who says, hey, we want Georgia. My advice, be very careful what you wish for because you might just get it. And the version of Georgia that you would perhaps see in a college ball playoff this time around would be very different than the sort of uh, bowl team you played back in 2018. Georgia is just as much the standard in college football as it's ever been. Alabama propped up by the likes of Kirk Herbstreit before the season began. He's already proven been proven wrong. And anybody else who doubts Georgia along the way, I believe they're going to be proven wrong too. So now to shift gears here just for a moment, Uh, as you see on the screen, good news for Georgia yesterday when it comes to uh, recruiting. Uh, In addition to seeing the team get a win on the field on Saturday, also got a win in recruiting there too as four-star linebacker Chris Cole uh, committed to the Dogs uh, yesterday evening. Of course, our our buddies uh, Connor Riley, Jeff Centel had great coverage of this for you uh, at Dog Nation yesterday. And um, look, here's we're going to have more time to talk about this in the future. Uh, We are. But I think here's the main thing you need to take on the Cole commitment here right now, which is Georgia had to endure kind of going into the weekend, sort of thinking they were in the best position for Cole. They had to go into the weekend also knowing that Cole was going to visit Tennessee. uh, And there's always the thought of, well, they're going to throw the big NIL deal potentially at him because obviously Tennessee likes to brag about its collective. There have been some chatter out there about USC is that Georgia sort of felt like it was selling the best package on the field of, hey, come here, be developed like other linebackers have been, get a chance to be a part of that great lineage. But anytime another program gets that last visit, anytime, you know, another program like USC, which, you know, sort of believes it can sort of step in and sort of money whip, uh, you know, a program for talent, even though they don't really have much of a track record of producing great defensive players right now. 
Uh, anytime you have a chance to go to bat against that and come out a winner, I think you have to feel pretty good. And by the way, I'm sure it didn't hurt Georgia's cause. The Tennessee scuffled throughout the entire weekend with uh, Austin P and really did not have a very impressive performance against the governor. So perhaps that didn't exactly make the uh, Chris Cole visit in Knoxville go all that well necessarily. Uh, but nonetheless, good recruiting win for Georgia there uh, with Chris Cole, a four-star linebacker, a big get, beating out Tennessee, who had a chance to host him this weekend, beating out USC, we think, there as well. So nice moment there for the dogs. So things couldn't be better right now. You're winning games in the field. you got SEC play starting this week. you got a big recruiting win you know Alabama's crumbling around you right now the grass is as green the path is as clear for Georgia as it's been in quite some time this is truly a very good time to be a dog fan my name's Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia we are glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video normally live we're not live today but we're all across video platforms and we hope to be back live uh, here this week so we're looking forward to that so thanks for checking in on video obviously at 10 a.m uh when you talk about the radio we're on the radio every afternoon on athens sports radio 960 ref we always love that podcast however you find them we're just glad to have you part of the program a big thanks to our friends at pella window and door of georgia who make it all possible energy efficient windows and doors that is what they are all about so when you need that when you're ready to kind of take care of your home the best way that you possibly can our friends at Pella window and door of georgia uh, they got you covered there they look better on the outside they feel good on the inside keeping that energy inside where it's supposed to be so you stay nice toasty and warm during the winter and nice and cool and comfortable here during the summertime of year and it looks great it can help you know improve your curb appeal which could potentially impact your resale value all of those great reasons to have Pella window and doors uh, right there installing your home and if you've heard me talk about this for years it could be a next step for you to have one of those consultations with one of the Pella experts so they can walk you through the entire product line they can talk to you about the installation options they can talk to you about financing options if necessary and some special offers too because between now and September 30th you can also get 10% off your entire project or no payments no interest for 12 months just make sure you uh, tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily so they take good care of it because I do truly know they will so stop by and see them uh, experience center there in Duluth give them a call six seven Seven eight six three eight fourteen twenty nine. That's six seven eight six three eight fourteen twenty nine. Or visit PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. That website once again, PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. Pella window and door of Georgia viewed to be the best. All right, we're gonna get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today and let's talk a little bit about what's next for Georgia. When we get with John, we're gonna do more about the Ball State game. But I think that turning the page as quickly as possible to something more interesting for Georgia is probably the the next best thing here right now. I think that Georgia definitely has a chance to do that against South Carolina on Saturday, SEC play beginning. It is a massive step up in terms of you're not playing a bad group of five team anymore. You're not playing an FCS team anymore. You're playing not just an SEC team, but an SEC team that you've had uh, a pretty good rivalry with throughout the years. Kirby Smart was actually asked at the end of his postgame press conference on Saturday – about the fact that the yearly series against South Carolina is likely to go away here very soon. And while Smart doesn't have a whole lot of interest in the scheduling talk right now, he clearly sees this game against the Gamecocks this upcoming weekend for what it is. This is what Kirby said about the South Carolina game uh, at the end of the game against Ball State on Saturday. Take a listen to this. I'm looking forward to the rivalry. I mean, I think it's a great game. It's one of the, you know, the big ones for us every year because it's a state that's so close to us um, geographically. But as far as the scheduling, it's the last thing on my mind. 
you know, I know you guys make a big deal about it and the passion of the fans, but for me, I'm worried about who we play next. So let me make a prediction for you here. Kirby Smart obviously really zeroes in on just how important this South Carolina game has been for Georgia historically. But I think it's also proven to be a pretty important thing the last couple of years from the standpoint that I think it's a real bellwether for how good Georgia has been for whatever reason. And, you know, perhaps you know, there's always the chatter with Georgia fans that, you know, the relationship between Kirby Smart and Shane Beamer is not a particularly good one. There's always going to be some chatter there around that. Uh, and, and perhaps that kind of plays into this. But whatever the reasons are, Georgia has throttled South Carolina the last two years. I don't know that Georgia has looked more like a two-time national champion against anybody than it has playing South Carolina these last couple of seasons. And so when you think about South Carolina for this particular Saturday, this becomes another really important measuring stick, where if you want to see Georgia be at the standard that it's been, this game against South Carolina is a pretty good comparison point for that to be the case. And if you want my prediction, I'll give it to you. I believe we may see Georgia's largest margin of the of victory of the season to date take place this upcoming Saturday. I believe the Georgia may end up beating South Carolina worse than it beat Ball State on Saturday, or worse than it beat, uh, you know, uh, whatever we'll call it, UT Martin there before that, because that's the level of focus that Georgia has had playing games like this the last couple of years. And I, I think that we're still in a portion of the season where the real narrative around the year hasn't quite formed yet. Everyone's really interested in Colorado and Deion Sanders. We understand why. Obviously, everybody was interested in what Texas did against Alabama on Saturday. We understand why. Florida State's gotten some chatter. We understand why that is. But the real narrative hasn't really emerged yet, and I believe that could start to take shape on Saturday, where Georgia gives a reminder that just like a year ago, when really no one was playing at Georgia's level for almost the entirety of the year, that may also be true again this season there as well. And the game against South Carolina, which was a pretty stern warning in that direction last year, that may be the case here this year too. So watch out for Saturday. 3.30 on CBS, different level of energy, different level of opponent. And I believe a different level of performance from the University of Georgia. I believe Georgia on Saturday goes out and gives a reminder of just how good it is and just how far everybody else in the country may be from actually playing at Georgia's standard. And that is around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia today. We're going to get John Stinch going. Let me also squeeze this in very quickly. Um, some of you have reached out to tell me it sounds like our Dog Nation invasion of the Tennessee River is sold out. Uh, I understand that we're supposed to have a waiting list type situation if we can find some more room on the boat. I don't know that that's actually working right now because what some of y'all have reached out to me to say is is that you were you know you kind of kind of got locked out you weren't able to make make the purchase or get on the list or whatever else. So we're gonna try to see if I can figure out what the story with the waiting list is. But we are completely sold out. We knew we would. This has been as popular as anything we've done in quite some time. So we knew we'd sell out quick. We have. But I believe there may be an opportunity for a waiting list. So let me see if I can give you more information on that, because it sounds like some of y'all got sent away when you tried to buy here this weekend. So uh, we'll see if we can get more details on that, and we'll get back with you here in the very near future. But for now, that's coming up later. For now, uh, let's get into what the win against Ball State sort of indicates about Georgia, what happens next against South Carolina. And, oh, yeah, is the Alabama dynasty, did it come to an end? Let's talk about all of that right now as we welcome in John Stinchcomb from Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. 
We will say hello to John Stinchcomb, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. John, kind enough to get going here early in the morning with us as we're still kind of in that you know, weird vibe of having to pre-record some of these shows and things like that. So we certainly appreciate John and his willingness to do that for us here today. And John, I promise we'll get to Ball State in a minute, the game that Georgia played on Saturday. But I want to kind of pick up where we were a moment ago. I just think this is a team that desperately needs to play a real football game against a real opponent. I don't know how good South Carolina is. The loss to North Carolina would suggest the Gamecocks might not be very good, but it's at least an SEC game. There's a little bit of a rivalry vibe to all of this. And given how Georgia has throttled the Gamecocks the last couple of years, I think this provides a pretty important measuring stick on Saturday. Um, how ready for SEC play do you believe that Georgia is here right now? I think they can't wait. They've been chomping at the bit. The preseason's over. You've had two warm-up games, if you will, where you, know, you, you don't need to put together a full package and the expectation is, is you're going to win and I'm not saying South Carolina is a great team. They're not, but it is an SEC opponent. It does count uh, more, and the, the fact that it's uh, a, a rival that you know, it's not on the same scale as a Florida or a Tennessee or the emergence of Alabama these past few years as a rival, but it does mean more, and there is uh, a, a uh, added component that we have not seen in these first two weeks where. You, know, you want your horses back on the in the race, and it's there's no longer that press that uh, hasn't been felt, and uh, I think it's going to be a welcome change for not only the players but the staff and the fans as well as you move into this season and into more competitive football. Yeah, and listen, I think the story of last season was that Georgia was way better than everybody else. Now, that doesn't mean you can't play a close game. Georgia still played two close games a year ago, and certainly Ohio State definitely had a chance to beat Georgia, just didn't. But that doesn't change the fact that for, you know, 15 games last year, no one really came close to playing at Georgia's level. And I have a suspicion that's still true here this year. For all the, you know, clamoring for Deion Sanders right now, and I get what that's about, uh, for all of the discussion about Texas and Florida State, these teams who've earned big wins. And once again, I kind of get what that's about. I believe the most likely narrative to really prevail this season is probably a replica of a year ago, that while there's some interesting things happening in the sport, there's one team that's just sort of far better than everybody else. It's Georgia. It's easy to forget that given who Georgia's played the last two weeks. Georgia has not been on the radar. But against South Carolina, a team that Georgia last year beat as bad as anybody could beat anyone Georgia you know just completely you know annihilated the Gamecocks I believe that Saturday I think could be and probably will be I think the reminder of that that I think you're gonna get a chance to see Georgia at its best and I think you're gonna get a chance to deliver the message that no matter what may be occurring and what the attention may be on any given moment Georgia is still leaps and bounds better than everybody else is that kind of your expectation for a South Carolina game on Saturday Yes, I think the ceiling is so much higher for Georgia, right? The, the amount of separation that can exist, that they can create between other teams, is evident. You know, Let's keep the national landscape in perspective here. And as Georgia fans, you know, I, I hear the grumblings of Carson and the running game, and you know, uh, maybe we need more presence on the edges, and we're young, and... This, that's, those are the critiques of a team that really has all the ingredients, right? And it, it, different from, you know, the, the storylines that existed three weeks ago before any football was played of, 
you know, really the SEC West is where the biggest threats are coming from. And, you know, we're barely through week two and LSU and Alabama already have a loss apiece. And if you're a fan of those programs, you're going, holy cow, what, you know, all of our hopes and dreams are squandered already. And we're, we're wondering what time of pro, what type of program we have. And as a Georgia fan, we're sitting here going, you know what, we can do better in these spaces. And I don't think we've seen our best football yet, but the, the expectation is, and the reality is, you're looking at a, at a program that has a very real contention for a national championship at the end of the year, which is everyone's goal, but few teams have that capability. Georgia is very much, if not the program that should be uh, preparing for and, and exhibiting each week, week in and week out, uh, that capability. And I think this week in South Carolina, you do see an increase in uh, performance. And I, you know, the the old adage of iron sharpens iron. I don't know how how much iron exists in in South Carolina, but it is an SEC opponent, and um, Georgia is very capable. And you know, the the critique has been, oh, there's places for improvement, and and that very much is true. But what exists is the foundational pieces for another national championship run for this Georgia football team. Uh, you see, I think that's all really well said. Looking to the uh, back on the Ball State game here for a moment, I thought that Georgia played better, I think, this week than it did a week ago. Admittedly, it didn't get off. To, you know, what, The one thing I'd call for is, you know, I have a relatively realistic set of expectations in games like this just because I just don't think that it's the same Georgia in these games that you would typically kind of get against better opponents for whatever reason. I just think that's been proven true over the course of the last you know year plus now. Um, what I'd said was, hey, my reasonable request for Georgia in this game was get off to a faster start, build a lead quicker. You know, that would be a good way to show improvement compared to the UT Martin game. That didn't really happen. And yet I still thought Carson Beck was better. I thought the offense overall was was a little bit better. What was your specific evaluation of UGA against Ball State? Well, 31 points second quarter certainly yeah. helps anyone feel much better about the performance. And I think the creation of turnovers can be overlooked. This defense, um, it, it's been a cornerstone and a staple for a Kirby Smart-led program that they're going to play really good defense. And that was on full display. And that is a, a piece of this Georgia identity just in general, but certainly in this 23 season. So that's where I would start. There is, um, There are areas that I think are still being crafted. And you look at the guard rotation in the game, and I think there's probably more to that than just, hey, we're getting guys reps. Um, I, I, there's yet to be a uh, someone who puts their stake in the ground and says, I'm laying claim to this running back position. I think the fact that we got to see Dylan Bell do so much more than anyone uh, was – aware that he's capable of i realize he played some running back and in, in high school but you know you make that jump to college and he had arguably the best run of this season from any anybody and um his versatility is something you go oh i like that uh the fact that brock bowers can have an off game and still uh the offense clicks right along and, and you put up 
you know, in the 40s again, total points-wise, I think is encouraging. The, uh, the return of Rosamie Jack Saint is obviously a, a big plus, but what I see is so much versatility from this offense, and, I, and you see so many playmakers. Obviously, you're rotating guys in because it's Ball State, but these are highly capable players, and you, you've heard Kirby Smart say it before. If you're on this field, I'm expecting you to play just like a starter would, and I think that just speaks to the depth. I know before the season started, you and I were talking about what's one of the bigger threats, and what I said was, uh, you know, injuries and and overall health. Yeah. But just looking at the amount of playmakers and depth of this team, that seems to be an area that that Georgia can sustain some blows. Uh, but with that said, uh, you know, I'm a little mealy mouth here and, and playing both sides of the coin. But that running back room is, you know, an area that has isn't as strong as we've seen in years past, and so. You know, I think that's uh, another uh, takeaway from this Ball State game is uh, I'm grateful that there are a number of playmakers across this offense, but we certainly don't have that bell cow that we once have, have enjoyed from that running back room. There was one, I think, prevailing concern for me over the course of the last couple of weeks. I want to ask you about that because you're a good one to ask. We'll do that here coming up in a moment. Let me remind folks, though, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And don't forget that while John is our Dog Nation Insider, you have a chance yourself to become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider. And there are great incentives for you when you sign up to be a part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. And the great news is it's totally free to join. Simply go to marlowestavern.com, and when you sign up, you're going to get ten dollars off your thirty dollar purchase at a marlowe's tavern near you then once you're in the club you uh try to earn what are known as qualified visits and you get a qualified visit every time you spend at least fifteen dollars on food or beverage there at marlowe's tavern when you get four qualified visits you're going to get a complimentary entree reward worth up to twenty dollars on your next visit you also get great birthday uh type stuff things like that it's a really cool thing to be a part of become a member of the marlowe's tavern insider club find out more online at Marlowe's Tavern.com. That is Marlowe's Tavern.com. So, John, I think when you look at the two games for Georgia, I think the one thing that fans have brought up to me that has kind of been a little bit of a thread through both these games, and I have to say that I kind of agree with some of this, doesn't seem like the Georgia offensive line has played a great game as of yet. Now, they're also rotating a lot right now, so perhaps you know they're still trying to figure out, you know, best five and, and, and you know, you know number twos. You know, there, there could be all kinds of mitigating factors here. I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. Um, you know, you know, is – you know, is the offensive line, is that a concern for you right now? Um, I don't know if concern is the right word. They certainly aren't that dominant force that I think anyone expected coming into this year. I, I've gone back and, yeah, I'm a total nerd, nerd BA, so, so bear with me. But I, I watched the film on Sunday of the game, and I can't help but just watch our offensive line play. And recognizing that Ernest Green is a first-time starter and you know somewhat limited last year because of injuries. So the amount of reps that he has, um, I think, is a factor in his play. He has all the tools that you need for a dominant left tackle. Let's start there. But you watch him play, and there's some mental errors, and uh, you know there's uh, some positional issues at times. 
but he's not alone. I think our, our guard play hasn't been exceptional. Um, there's room for improvement there. I think Amarius Mims is, has had two really good games that kind of gets overshadowed by just the overall performance of the offensive line, and that's how you're judged. It is one group. It's one unit. Um, I will say this. It's not just the offensive line performance that contributes to, um, I'll say, I don't know if it's run game struggles, but certainly hasn't been dominance through two weeks. Uh, there's a number of times where you know it's either perimeter blocking or not even a, not a good look that we're running into. So I don't know if that's a on the quarterback or just scheme. Um, and then there's times where you know maybe we need to run through an arm tackle or we missed a hole. So it's a collective issue, but it's certainly you know let's let's give credit and uh, blame where it's due. The offensive line has not been the dominant force that I think we've expected, at least on paper, when you have as many returning starters and talented players in that group. Um, We haven't seen that yet. It hasn't been reflected in their play. I think they're capable of it, uh, but it it certainly hasn't been dominant. And, um, you know, you're, you're looking for improvement. The amount of mental errors is a concern to me. The amount of times where, you know, our guys are, are either going to the wrong linebacker, or you leave somebody unblocked. Um, you know, when that happens three, four times in a game, you just go, man, that's that's not good. Especially as uh, veteran presence as, as what we have in that group, um, there's there's certainly areas that we need to clean up and would uh, would really be costly in a more important game certainly something to watch for as we head towards uh, the south carolina game there on saturday john we really appreciate your time on our show here today thank you so much for your insight thanks for waking up early hopefully by next week we'll be back live again and doing things the way we normally do but uh we appreciate you helping us pivot here for right now and uh we'll enjoy the conversation again as a part of a marlo's tavern insider update very soon always great to be a bulldog ba go dog yes sir Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that with John uh, because I, I do think, and we're gonna, I promise we'll do a lot more on you know some of this kind of stuff as we roll through the week, especially as it sets Georgia up for the South Carolina game. I think the one thing that I have heard from a decent number of fans is, boy, I'm not really quite so sure about that offensive line and how it's performed. And, you know, uh, there are potentially all kinds of mitigating factors for why this is or what's causing this to be true. All, all, all of that could be, you know, pretty complicated, frankly. And Georgia is rotating a lot. And Georgia is getting a lot of playing time for a lot of guys. And I think you see movement within, uh, certainly within the number two unit. I think you see some movement potentially taking place right there. So there's some jockeying for positions still going on. Maybe that affects the performance here. But this offensive line that I thought would be the number one strength of this team and believe it still probably will be among the top strengths probably has not quite asserted itself as of yet interesting to get John's analysis on that now let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and just a simple invitation to you right now to be a part of our dog nation cruise coming up in April we're gonna be on Allure of the Seas it's an Oasis class ship one of the largest cruise ships at sea and it's going to be a bigger and better version of the Dog Nation cruise than we've ever had before. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean, and she wants to help you get booked up for this. So the website she's put together is called RoyalDogs.com. You can go there, find all about the Dog Nation cruise, 
going to NASA on the Bahamas again, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, the private island, exclusively for those on Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation. My favorite part about our Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation is Perfect Day, Coco Cay. In fact, sometimes they call me Perfect Day BA because I like Coco Cay that much. So uh, we want you to be a part of it. We'll see you there for April of 2024. Jessica Slater's got uh, got you taken care of and all that. Check out royaldogs.com and you can find out more about that. All right, so we have got a lot to break down from the week that was. And over the course of the next couple of days, we'll do a lot of that. I think the Deion Sanders at Colorado story right now is fascinating. Obviously, you know, there are other big, impactful games from the weekend. But I do think that the Texas-Alabama thing, which we talked about off the top of the show, I do think that's sizable enough that we need to spend a couple of more minutes on sort of everything that I believe that you take from this. And I guess I'll start with this. We told you last week that just given the chatter that existed right now, you know, LSU's lost to Florida State. South Carolina's lost to North Carolina. Uh, you'll add to that now Texas A&M losing to Miami. What we said was, if Alabama loses to Texas, because for another year, Texas is still in the Big 12, if Alabama loses to Texas, then you really are staring at a scenario where perhaps the SEC, after two weeks of the season, has already been kind of relegated to one-bid status for the college football playoff. I believe that's not likely true. I believe, you know, Almost anything can happen, I guess. But I believe now it's probably pretty likely that the SEC only gets one team in the college football playoff. Now, I believe that'll be Georgia. But keep this in mind. You know, Alabama, with what it showed you on Saturday, you know, Jalen Milrow running, throwing deep. He doesn't throw intermediate ever at all. I mean, he just does. Imagine how bad Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson must be um, if this is what emerged as the victor in the Alabama quarterback competition. But but Alabama is still going to be a formidable team, right? I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're still going to be heard from. So, you know, the SEC West, I believe, is still going to be competitive between Alabama. I think LSU will be better than it was against, um, uh, you know, against Florida State. But ultimately – you know, all these teams are probably fighting for one spot now in the college football playoff. I, I don't see how the SEC gets itself back to kind of two-bid status. I believe it'll be Georgia. I don't believe Alabama and LSU probably play at Georgia's level. But you at least have a little bit of a fragment of, well, you know, when Alabama's won the national championship, typically speaking, they've kind of overcome a loss to get there. Um, so, so maybe they play better at some point in time but they're going to come back and bump into the same struggles at quarterback, the same challenges there. That's not changing anytime soon, I don't think. Another thing that was interesting about Alabama on Saturday was the fact that, y'all check the box score, I believe I'm right about this, I don't think Justice Haynes got to carry it all. Uh, Justice Haynes, who was a major recruiting war between Georgia and Alabama, Georgia would have loved to have had him at one point in time. I think we thought Haynes was going to Georgia. And then surprisingly, as surprising as any recruiting decision's been, he chose Alabama. Now, maybe at some point in time, he goes on to be you know, a great running back there. And I won't presume to know all the reasons why he didn't play on Saturday. But uh, Haynes was not a factor for this game for Alabama. And you can't help but notice that. And you can't help but wonder what might be going on there for a team that needs a little bit more of an offensive spark, not to have Justice Haynes being in that mix a bit. I also think the Texas performance here is a real thing. You know, I think it's the thing that you have to give them a lot of credit for this. This is clearly a different version of Texas than it's kind of been in the past. And I won't do the whole cliche Texas is back thing, but we did have Texas in our college football playoff here on this show. And I think what you see on Saturday is one of the reasons why that is. 
that that Quinn Ewers, I do think, is a difference maker at quarterback. I, I think there's a chance that Ewers, with all due respect to Caleb Williams, I think there's a chance that Ewers may prove to be the best quarterback in the country here this season. I think that's the case. But the other thing that Texas sort of has going for it is, I mean, they really got after it defensively on Saturday. This is a little bit different even than the line of scrimmage than it's been before. This is a little bit more of a team that looks like it's on its way to the SEC than it's been in the past. Now, Texas had a hard time handling prosperity in the past. Perhaps they have a hard time handling this prosperity, too. It's still you know, kind of a long season left to go. But in the Big 12, Texas Tech seems like it's a level below what its preseason expectations were. Oklahoma struggled a little bit with SMU on Saturday um the opportunity for texas to kind of march through the big 12 here now is very much in place and i think you have to view them as kind of a real team and i'll say this you have to also view the arrival of texas and to a certain extent oklahoma to the sec next year as a big time pressure cooker moment for a lot of the coaches in this league to put it bluntly i believe the arrival in, of texas and oklahoma next year i think is going to get somebody fired i look at jimbo fisher here for a moment you know, I'm not ready to tell you that Texas A&M is going to fire Jimbo Fisher, but here's what I am going to tell you. After the performance on the road at Miami on Saturday, this is the fourth time now in its last four games of being a road favorite that A&M has lost outright when favored on the road. Like, if you've got the wrong coach, you can't afford to have the SEC get tougher, your regional rivals come into this league, and kind of take the spot that you're trying to claim for yourself. You can't afford to do that. So when, when you see how good Texas can be by, based on its win there on Saturday night, you come to the conclusion that someone in the SEC is going to get fired because this level of competition in this league is about to go up. You're collecting of easy wins the way it's been in the past. There won't be as many easy wins to collect. And teams that aren't quite so sure about their coach, even if it's expensive, even if the buyout is onerous, you know, they may kind of move in the other direction. Uh, just because this league is about to get much more competitive with the arrival of Texas and Oklahoma. And then finally, one more point on the game. We kind of laughed a little earlier at Nick Saban, almost giving you a concession speech at the end of that game on Saturday night, pretty reflective. Uh, But the gratitude that he expressed, I don't think is the wrong thing here. And this is the one thing I think that Georgia fans remember too. And look, I think for Georgia, this moment may come decades from now, right? It may be 20 years from now. But at some point in time, everything sort of ends. Like, look at the two teams other than Georgia that have been the most dominant during the college football playoff era. Clemson's won two national championships. They had uh, a long streak of consecutive playoff appearances. But it's pretty clearly not what it once was for Clemson. It seems like that era for them is probably over. Alabama has been the gold standard in college football. Nick Saban, I believe, is the greatest coach of all time. But in terms of being at the level they once were, it's pretty obvious now that's probably over, too, that these things have changed. And so for Georgia fans, I think it's important to remember that while our situation here could certainly last a lot longer than Clemson's did because Kirby Smart is a true X's and O's coach, Dabo Swinney is a little bit more of a CEO style coach, like Kirby Smart can actually get under the hood and do some real coaching. I'm not sure Dabo can. So that gives Kirby the leg up over Dabo. And Kirby's obviously much younger at this point in time at Georgia than Nick Saban would have been at the same point in time during his Alabama tenure. You can make a case that Kirby's run at Georgia could last longer than Saban's has had. Saban's obviously been there since 2007. It's 2023 now. So you're talking about a good, what, 15, 16 year type run there for Alabama. But the point is, whether it lasts 16 years or it lasts 25 years or it lasts 30 years, you know, these kinds of moments in the sun, they just don't last forever. So if you're a Georgia fan, your job is to appreciate this. Your job is to soak it in. Alabama fans now, I think, are of the realization that their great moments are perhaps in the past tense. Clemson fans perhaps come to that realization there too. 
Georgia fans, soak it up. Appreciate every moment because no matter how long into the future it does last, we believe it can last a long time. It will not last forever. Nothing ever does. So soak it in, appreciate it, and take every win and every championship that perhaps comes your way. Take it for what it is, a truly special thing that is not guaranteed to anyone. And uh, keep that in mind. Maybe the Alabama loss on Saturday, a little bit of a reminder of that. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, one of the things that makes enjoying college football so much easier is the great, unbelievable taste of Dr. Pepper. And I love watching college football because you know how much I love Dr. Pepper. The Fansville commercials are back, and everybody's having a good time uh, around there on that. So when I think about college football, I think about Dr. Pepper. I don't know that any uh you know, great brand is any more connected to college football than what Dr. Pepper is. So make sure you enjoy that rich, delicious, one of a kind Dr. Pepper or Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar or Diet Dr. Pepper or Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream or whatever your Dr. Pepper choice is. Make sure you're choosing to enjoy that on game day because Dr. Pepper truly is the one fans deserve. And as we get ready to wrap up here today, as I said before, uh, for those of you that like watching live on video, we hope to be back live again at some point in time this week try to give you an update on that maybe tomorrow we'll see how that's all playing out but for now thanks for being with us in this particular uh fashion of course you're listening on podcast or something like that it's not any different to you anyway but nonetheless we're appreciative of that and we're having fun making fun of alabama after their loss on saturday in fact uh, uh king seabass sends this to me he says i'm the pappy you basically see uh, ad mitchell holding up a little baby which is in this case the alabama crimson tide uh yeah ad mitchell i would certainly say the former georgia wide receiver does appear to be alabama's daddy here right now so king seabass very funny stuff for you we will give you a golden shoe for that and we will no doubt laugh at alabama for a long time to come lousy stinking gators we laugh at them there as well we're looking ahead to the cocktail party how about 47 days from right now that's our gatorator countdown we'll see all of you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by Pella, window and door of georgia